Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, I'm joined today by Ben Girding, the DNVR Buffs intern, because tomorrow's game day again. It may feel like we just had one of those, but that's what's so special about this time of year when you get football and you get basketball. And this year, there's a little bit more crossover than usual, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so Ben and I are going to be going through that basketball game. Uh, before we do that, real quick, we're going to go through some news, uh, some things we learned from Carl Durrell this morning during his press conference. Uh, but first, let's talk about Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is the place to go for any of your dental needs. Uh, they're conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood, Colorado. Uh, they do incredible work. It's a family-owned business. Uh, and the best part is if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam from Green Mountain Dental Group, you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. So don't let that offer go to waste. Get out there, get your teeth cleaned, and get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group. All right. Uh, what's up, Ben? Nothing much. I'm so excited to come on here and talk about not just Tennessee, but also the news and notes of football after you know a 4-0 start, ranked in the AP in the coaches poll. Two undefeated teams for your for your two revenue generating sports up here in Boulder. It's it's a good time to be alive. Yeah, and like Ryan was saying, three teams in the country with undefeated football teams and undefeated basketball teams: Colorado, Ohio State, Coastal Carolina. And Coastal Carolina's women's team has lost a game. So if you want to knock them out and include the women, then it's only Colorado and Ohio State, which is pretty crazy. Um, things are going well. Uh, before we get into football, one more question, Ben. How excited are you to uh, be breaking down this Tennessee team instead of the Colorado School of Mines? So unbelievably excited. <laughs> you know, whether or not it's based on you know, what I have to go off of, because it's a little tough since Tennessee hasn't been able to play, you know, um, and only being able to just look at practice film that I'm able to to get off of YouTube. This is such an exciting matchup. We have so much to talk about. It's, it's going to be a great game. Yes, it is. And I'm excited. Um, and we're going to say most of the press conference notes for tomorrow and just knock everything out then. Uh, but there were a couple of things I thought we should get to, um, starting with some injury news. Chance Lytle, uh, he had the scary leg injury, was carted off the field, was in very good spirits as it was all happening, though. And that's always good to see. Uh, he is done for the year. Um, Carl said that he's made some impressions this year. Uh, he looked really good, um, and now it's just time for him to get ready to go compete next year and that he should be confident that he can do some positive things for this team going forward. A couple other um, absences. Akil Jones missed Saturday's game because he had a son being born in New Jersey. So he is coming back. Uh, Carl said that he's figuring out what the situation is with the quarantining because the CDC guidelines change, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he did say that that's up to the doctors, but there is a chance that Akil Jones will be back this week. Kari Cooch, he tested positive for COVID. Um, and uh, Carl said he'd be like on the cusp of when we play the game. Um, and again, reiterated that he is not the medical guy. And he also said that he's hopeful that uh Colby Purcell will be ready to play this week as well. Um, that would be very exciting to see. Um, any any thoughts on any of that, Ben? Yeah, I mean, just Colby Purcell immediately. That That's the big takeaway. 
to me because, you know, even, even getting Akil Jones back, that's definitely going to help the defense. But especially when you consider that they've lost uh, Chance Lytle now for the season and the uncertainty with Kari Kuch at center to have another piece back on that offensive line with Colby Purcell is just going to give you some more flexibility, um, especially because they're getting, you know, a little thin in the interior right now. Yep. Um, and you know what, since you brought up getting a little bit thin on the interior, uh, Carl did say that he's been impressed by everybody who's had to step up. Um, whether it's guys like Janaz Jordan and Naim Rodman on the defensive side of the ball, the big guys in the trenches, he thought they've played well. Um, and, and that really, this is what he's been talking about all season. He almost, it almost felt like a bit of a victory lap that Carl Durrell was taking because all season he's been saying, we need depth. We're using this year to develop depth. At some point, we're going to rely on that depth. And when that happens, those guys need to be ready. And and that was his message from day one of all of this when he said, we've been really excited by what we've seen by the offensive and defensive lines. As a new head coach, there's nothing that you would rather have than an experienced and deep group in the trenches. And then today, like I said, just kind of like went back through all that stuff saying, that's where guys get beat up every snap is in the trenches. That's where you get uh, the higher probability of being injured. And they get beat up like that every day in games and in practices. Um, and so the depth that they've been saying that they've had and that they've been developing has come through. Uh, he shouted out Kanan Ray in particular as another guy who stepped up, um, getting some snaps at tight end. We remember we were watching this game together, um, but there was a, a great run from Jarek Broussard that was totally set up by Kanan Ray coming in and playing tight end. He eventually replaced Chance Lytle too. Um, I've been really impressed with all of the the depth guys on this roster, not just in the trenches, who've had opportunities to play this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and after that Chance Lytle injury, you talked about, you know, was it right to filled in at left guard form there? Um, you know, that they had some of their more impressive runs in the game after that happened. Now, obviously, that's not to say that Chance Lytle wasn't playing well. You know, I think it's just more testament, like you've been saying, to what Carl Durrell's been echoing all season is they've got the depth, they're ready to show it off. Um, and, and that's really important because this team really flows through the trenches. If they're going to take care of business in Utah and, and stay relevant in this Pac-12 race, they've got to be able to run the ball. Yep. Um, we're going to get one more note from this football presser. And that is this. Um, Carl Durrell was asked, uh, the question was, have we really not seen the best from Jarek Broussard. And what Carl Durrell said was, I'm telling you, you have not seen uh, Jarek Broussard at his best. He's probably 90 to 95%. And then talked more about the brace on his knee and how he thinks he could be a little bit more explosive. Jarek later said, like, I'm wearing the brace for the rest of the season and didn't really expand too much on how much more he felt like he had in the tank. Um, how excited does that make you feel? And do you believe Carl Durrell when he says that Jarek Broussard has another gear that he can get to? Yeah, you know, I I think it it will play a factor when you look at, you know, getting caught from behind on some of those some of those runs through the middle. I do think that that's an area where you would hope that he ha does have that extra gear so he can stop doing that. But as far as statistically speaking, I think it's unreasonable to expect him to put up more than what he just did. And so maybe that's why Jarek is not going to comment on it much because I mean, I'm, I'm a believer that you should never be the one that's setting your own expectations too high. Cause that's just going to disappoint people. You just put up 300 yards and you ran for over 10 yards per carry. I mean, I don't, I don't think you need to be setting the bar any higher. <laughs> I guess that's so. fair. It is exciting to hear though. And, uh, I am very excited to hear about it. Um, actually, before we, we do get into the basketball stuff, we should kind of run through what's going on in the entire Pac-12. Um, things were really complicated yesterday. There were a lot of different possibilities for what could happen. When Washington State got blown out by USC, blown out by USC, that was one of the most impressive performances that, I mean, anybody in the conference has put together this season and one of the most complete performances you'll see from maybe any team in the country this year. Yeah, it's it was utter up. domination. Yeah, yeah it, it's what they should have been doing with all this talent for years. I mean, you have those big receivers in Drake London. Um, Amonra St. Brown had, did he have three or four? 
touchdowns in the, in the first, first quarter. quarter. Four. Yeah. I mean, and it's just because he's a monster going up against those Washington State DVs who don't belong on the same field as somebody like that. Um, probably not what Buffs fans wanted to see last night. They want to see the loss, give Colorado control of their own destiny. Um, that is not what happened. USC is still in charge of the Pac-12 South, and you need UCLA to knock them off um, for Colorado to have a shot. Um, assuming there are no changes to the schedule and no cancellations and all of that, which is a, a big assumption to make. But that's where we stand is Colorado needs to win this weekend, a Friday night against Utah. They need USC to lose to UCLA um, or, I mean, for, for that game to get canceled, and that would change a bunch of things as well. Um, so that's where we stand. Uh, and then on the other side in the North Division, because Washington State lost last night, Washington State is now out of the uh, title hunt in the Pac-12 North. Uh, so the game between Oregon and Washington in Eugene will decide which one of those two teams goes to the Pac-12 title game. Um, and there is a scenario where the Pac-12 North holds the title game, but that scenario is Washington winning in Oregon USC and Colorado both losing. And then even from there, there might be some weird things happening. So it does seem like the South will get the, uh, get to host the Pac-12 title game. Um, and, uh, that's how everything shook out. So that's what's on the line this week. Um, also we should probably touch on this too. Another bowl was canceled this morning. The LA bowl Pac-12 now back down to four bowl games. If Colorado, wins this week they could still lose in the week seven and that would give them one loss well there are only two other teams in the entire conference that are capable of having one loss or fewer so assuming the best records get into those bowl games uh, colorado just needs to win one of its last two and they'll be locked in assuming no more changes to the bowl games um, and even if they do lose two they'll have a path any thoughts yeah. on any of that, Ben, that you want to I, add? It's going to be a fun, fun weekend of college football. Um, and the interesting thing, kind of the good news, I think, for, for Buffs fans is that Colorado and Utah, they're playing on Friday night. Um, so Colorado can't – they do lose one extra day of rest uh, in that regard. But I think it's good for a situation like this because that means they can be fully focused on Utah. They're not going to be – eyeing the scoreboard to see what happened with UCLA and USC. So they can go in on Friday night, take care of business against a Utah team that I think we both feel comfortable uh, in, in the prospects of Colorado beating that team. I think the only, I think Bentley of Bentley, which is a Utah's quarterback, the only other QB in the PAC 12 that has turned the ball over as much as Sam Neuer thus far. Um, so it, it really could be kind of a, a sloppy defensive oriented game uh, ground and pound. And then Saturday, you turn around, hopefully after a bus win, and you can turn all your attention to USC-UCLA. Wow. <laughs> that is going to be a lot of fun if we get to live through that scenario. Buffs watching the TV, hoping to see that they're going to host the Pac-12 title game. Pretty crazy stuff. I'm, I'm really excited for all of it. Um, I'll throw one more note from the press conference in since we're talking about this stuff. Carl Durrell was asked, um, how disappointed would you be if you run the table and you don't get a shot to play for the Pac-12 title? And actually, Ben, what do you think he would have said when asked that question? I, knowing what I know, knowing what I've heard from him post-game, yep. I'm going to assume it was something along the lines of, we can only control what's in front of us. We're just going to focus on winning our next game, something like that. Uh, yeah, he said, uh, we'll deal with those emotions if they get there um it would probably be disappointing but we're going to control what we can control utah's a good team it's going to be a great test for us so uh yeah not quite on the money but you got the gist <laughs> of it and that was kind of the theme with all that stuff getting thrown around um earlier he said you know if we win our game that's really the best thing we can do for ourselves preparing for utah and we'll see where things unfold after the weekend um for us on the outside, though, we get to get fired up about all of it. And <laughs> that's what you should expect from this podcast all week. Um, plus, we'll get Ben back on probably. Oh, no, we're doing post game. I think we're doing post game tomorrow. Let's not plug that too hard yet. <laughs> we, uh, we can commit. If Worst case scenario, Ben and I will do a stream yard post game. 
tomorrow night after the Buffs take on Tennessee. What time is that game? Is that four? It's four o'clock. Yeah. yeah. So games at four, we'll probably be talking at like six thirty or something. Uh, so be ready for that. It'll be just like the football post games, other than the fact that we're talking about basketball. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun as always tune in on YouTube, the DMVR page, or you can go to Twitter. It'll be on the DNVR Buffs Twitter account, and it's going to be a lot of fun, hopefully, because hopefully Colorado wins. Yeah. Um, before we get into what to expect from that Tennessee game, I know Ben and I both have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I want to shout out our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery and remind you all that the Christmas ale is available again. Um, you've probably seen it. If you've been in the grocery store, it's everywhere. And that's because everybody wants it. It's a great beer and it's especially a great beer for this time of year. I really like seasonal drinks. I've realized this wasn't like a thing in the past. This might be like my first year where I've really just bought in. But when, when like the pumpkin cream cold brew came available at Starbucks, I got pretty fired up about that. Um, now we've moved on to the Christmas drinks, which have even more sugar. And so most mornings I'm waking up with some like, big old whipped cream covered sugar and peppermint drink and uh it's been pretty pretty incredible this christmas ale from breckenridge is the beer version of that exact same feeling and it's something i'm going to need in my life uh and you guys need it too whether you realize or not so check that out check out all of the different beers that they offer check out the uh ice skating rink that's set up at the farmhouse down in littleton the headquarters of breckenridge brewery three dollars to skate if you bring your own skates six dollars if uh you do not have your own skates if you need to rent skates um plus if you don't want to spend money you can just use the free tubing pill or maybe you just want to like save your money for more beers which is probably the smart play um so yeah Breckenridge Brewery, good stuff. Start drinking that Christmas ale because it is December. Getting like deep-ish into December too, which is kind of crazy. Shockingly quickly. We are now in the middle of December. Well, I guess still kind of the first week or two in December, but time is made up in in a pandemic. You know, it could still be August for all we know. (laughs) This is sometimes like, like, I feel like there are days where it just kind of like sinks in just how weird everything is like things things where it's like you know i always think that i'm best at my very best as a reporter when it's just like a one-on-one like i'm good at just like talking to people and getting like good stories and like following trains of thoughts and i'm not all that great at uh like i mean it's not that i'm bad at it but just like press coverage like just throw a question out and see what you can get like you don't get to dig all that deep and try to like learn too much like it's You have to ask kind of broader stuff. And and so to not have had like a face-to-face interview with somebody, not like over a phone call or Zoom or anything like that since, I mean, since the week before a Pac-12 championship game, it's kind of crazy. Because like that is at at the very deepest level, my my career. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I can't (laughs) imagine what that's like because... You know, all I've done are, are the I'll do the post game pressers while you and Ryan, yeah. you know, kick off the post game show, and it's just so kind of awkward because you chime in in the box when you want to ask a question, mm-hmm. then you get called on, and sometimes you know the technical difficulties mean you can't even ask. And exactly right, all of it is broad and stuff. So hopefully, you know, once this stuff turns around, content is just going to go through the roof because I would imagine some of these players too are going to just be chomping at the bit to try and. <laughs> get some stories out, especially talking about this season. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a weird year. Um, a year it's almost over, which is probably meaningless because it's just a number <laughs> on a piece of paper, but that's, you know, that, that's my takeaway. Everyone is like, I'm so ready for 2020 to be done. I'm like midnight 20, you know, when you becomes January 1st, 2021, we're still in a pandemic. Like <laughs> yeah. I understand the symbolic turning of the page, but I think it's still going to be a lot more time before things are back to normal as far as vaccines go and whatnot. So I'm not buying into the whole, Oh, 2021 new, new year, new me. (laughs) Seriously. Like haven't, I haven't been to a sporting event in, I don't even know how long. Cause, and it used to be, you know, I'd probably catch an Avs game or a nuggets game every week. Plus like for work, I, I think I missed like two of the buffs road games last year. And I got to like almost all of the home games. I think I might miss one or two, but 
I, I haven't even seen sports. I don't know. It's weird, but we got to move along and talk about MSU Denver before we get into this Tennessee game. Um, MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and some of our very own staff members at DMVR have taken MSU Denver online classes uh, Harrison Wynn said that uh, his professors were incredibly engaged um, and responsive and helpful. And he also said that it was very convenient because they understand how hard it is to work a real job while you're in school. Um, he said that you can always work ahead if you want. Um, if you realize like this is a time when I have more flexibility, when I can get more done because I know tougher days are coming in my work life. And that opportunity to work ahead is why so many working people decide that MSU Denver Online is the right way to go back to school. Um, and actually, MSU Denver students work double the hours while taking classes as the students at any other school in Colorado. Nobody else even works half as much as MSU Denver students. And that's not like talking about classwork. That's talking about real life work. It is really built for people who are working outside of school as well. Um, if you're interested in more information about anything I said or the 40 plus online and hybrid courses that can get you a degree or the 700 plus courses that... Uh, you can take on your path to that degree or just because you're curious, um, you can go to msudenver.com slash online and all of the information you could ever want is right there. Or of course you can reach out to Harrison wind who has taken those classes and can give you another perspective. Okay. Uh, Tennessee, like Ben said, this game is going to be at four o'clock tomorrow, four o'clock in Denver. You guys have to convert if you're not from here. Um, and It'll be on the SEC Plus network, which basically means that if you get the SEC network, then you can watch in the ESPN app. If you don't get the SEC network, then uh, you can't watch it. Wink, wink. But <laughs> I'm sure maybe somewhere on the internet you can. Um, ben, what happened? W how did this game come about? Yeah, um, pretty much. You know, there's that connection between CU and Tennessee on the on these coaching staffs. Mm -hmm. um, and Kim English is now an assistant over there. Right. And so Nate Tomlinson and King, Kim English were actually the ones that are kind of credited for for spearheading this. Um, and so what happened was Tennessee has had its first four or five games canceled, straight up canceled, no postponements. They haven't been able to play yet. Um, they originally did have a game for tomorrow or for, I'm sorry, Wednesday. And Colorado was originally going to play the School of Mines tomorrow. Um, both the schools came together, decided this matchup was way more worth it, uh, had a lot more benefits, not just from your resume, but also, you know, a, a nice early season test for both of these rosters who both are going through kind of different differences as far as, you know, who they lost and whatnot. Um, so they were able to get that together. The important note from this, which I think is another slam dunk from Cad Boyle scheduling wise, uh, this is not just a home and home. Uh, this is actually a three game agreement. So Colorado will travel to Knoxville, obviously tomorrow, next season, Tennessee will come to Boulder. And then the final game in the agreement will be played in Nashville, Tennessee. So you presume that's going to be a neutral game site. Um, and that's a big, big win. Obviously Knoxville is a lot closer to Nashville than, than Colorado <laughs> is, but still just securing this, high-profile opponent for three years is going to be a big boost to your resume. And also, next season, Colorado will be playing host to both Tennessee and Kansas. And you would assume that that is going to involve fans in the kegs. So just a slam-dunk scheduling is, is the first major takeaway from this. Tad Boyle done it again. Yeah, and we're, we're going to dig into what exactly this Tennessee team is because it's kind of a tough – question to answer given that they haven't played a basketball game this season but before we get into all those details i mean what is on the line for colorado um what what is the significance of this game and, and i mean let's start here this is uh the number 12 team in the country in today's ap poll does a win over tennessee get the buffs who did not receive a vote this week after receiving one vote last week into the top 25 yes absolutely um, I think Colorado 
because their two games last week were canceled, I largely think they were forgotten about. Now, they did just receive one vote in the first AP poll. So to suggest that even if they were 4-0 and coming out of an Arizona and Washington State game, to suggest they'd be ranked after that, I still think might be a little bit of a stretch. But they definitely would have been in the conversation. So for them to go on the road to Knoxville and beat Tennessee, you're definitely going to see this team ranked probably between 20 and 21, um, assuming they you know take care of business. They're 3-0 because you're going to have some other changes up there. I will say on Tennessee's front, I think they're going to be hurt less from a loss um, than you would anticipate because it is their first game. This is still a very highly ranked team in the country. So even if they do lose, I'm hard pressed to say they fall out of the top 25 because they also have a big game against Cincinnati on Saturday. Cincinnati lost to Xavier last week. So Tennessee should take care of them. Um, you know, when you're talking about college basketball, it's, it's always almost a tangent because there's 18 games a week for each team seemingly, and it's always bounced around and canceled. But the important thing is Colorado, they need to go in here and, and have a good showing. A win would get them ranked, but I think this game, you know, doesn't need to be a win for it to be a quote unquote win. This is a slam dunk either way, because a loss is not going to sink this team's resume because of Tennessee, they're going to be a quadrant one team. And the way that the NCAA ranks teams come tournament time, and it's super convoluted. Um, we wrote an article up on the DNVR.com last March. Um, so you can go ahead and check that out if you're curious for all the math behind it. But essentially, losing to good teams is not going to hurt you, especially when it's on the road. So for them to go on the road and get a win, yeah, it's going to jump them up a lot of spots. For a loss, it's still going to not hurt them too, too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of see things the same way. Um, you know, you mentioned that Tennessee is going to be a quadrant one team and that even if this does turn out to be a loss, if it's a close loss, it could still be a good thing. It could still be kind of a plus mark on the Buffs' resume to play a team like Tennessee close. Why do you see Tennessee as a team that is that good after – you know, they didn't have the best season last year. I, I don't have the record right in front of me, um, but I believe it was something like, oh, wait. Nope, it's gone again. But they were just about 500. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tennessee is – it's one of the more interesting teams um, in college basketball right now, absolutely. And it's not just because they haven't played a game, but it's because – how do you grade a team, like you said, that was, you know, 500 last year? And now last season, I think they have an excuse because they graduated three players. They had another guy go to the draft. And so they expected it to be a little bit down. But Tennessee, they, they have a good team. And it starts, I'm going to start with their recruiting class. They brought in the number five rated recruiting class in the country this year. So they've got two five-star guards and Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. Um, and that goes along as well with a four-star forward and Corey Walker. So they've got tremendous young talent. My first question mark coming into that is what is their role going to be? Because you look at Tennessee last year and they play differently than Colorado does. Colorado has so much depth. And even last year when they didn't have as much depth at point guard, they had a lot of guys who were getting solid minutes, whether it be 10 to 15 minutes, they're not having more than one guy over 30 a game. And that was McKinley Wright. Everybody else trickled in there between 20, 25, you know, some 15 minutes per game in there. The moral of that story is Colorado likes to rotate. They like to give guys breathers. They like to change up as the games go on. They're going to change based on matchups. They're going to change based on who's hot, who's playing well. Tennessee is almost completely the opposite. Last season, they had six guys averaging 30 minutes per game, and that was pretty much their team. That was who the guys that they rode the majority, almost all of their point production, obviously, all their rebounds, all their assists, they're all coming from those six guys. So Tennessee is a team that likes to keep it tight. That's where I'm curious where these freshmen come in because with a team that's actually returning a lot of solid players and their lineup is, is pretty much solidified, are these highly rated guys really going to be playing that much in their opener? You would expect them to because it's a season opener. You want to get everybody involved. But against a team like Colorado, Tennessee really might be relying on their experience depth and not risk it with some of these younger guys. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee plays this because you're right. They really did ride the same guys a lot last year. But you also mentioned that last year was a weird year for them. 
I mean, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it looks like a step back. You know, the, the record was 17 and 14. I think just the year before, were they a sweet 16 team? If not, they were only one more year removed. Um, but it was just so strange. Obviously, you have the coronavirus at the end, but also um, they had their point guard decide that he needed to go like get his body right before the draft in the middle of the season. And at that point he was putting up really good numbers and then they had to sub somebody else in and that guard wound up leaving too. Um, there were injuries that were going on at the time. And so you don't really know if they cut that rotation so small because they want a small rotation or because they just didn't trust anybody else. Now you get all these young guys in, you bring in a, another center, uh, a, a transfer who they seem excited about. I think he's a six foot seven center, um, but that does seem like they have the option to be more versatile if they want. The question is kind of what you get out of these new guys that you're adding into the mix this year. Um, is it a situation where you can go big and can go small and really change things up? Or do those guys just serve as depth pieces? Um, what scares you the most about Tennessee? I mean, I, I think the thing that scares me the most is there. It, it's two things, really. First of all is the uncertainty, which we're going to hit on over and over again, is we're going to talk about what this team was last year, who they're bringing in right now. But there's only so much we can learn from Tennessee practice film. Um, so the uncertainty is definitely concerning because if you and I are having you know trouble coming up with conclusions on this team, it's going to be tough for Tad Boyle and their staff to create you know solid scouting reports on, on these new players. The other thing is they they have some defensive pieces, mm -hmm. and so one of those guys is uh, Yves Pons. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year last year as a guard. He's six foot six. He led the team with two point seven blocks per game. They have the pieces. So Tennessee, again, last year, you know, you're not sure if that lineup was because their hand was forced or not. They like to run a little bit smaller. They normally had four, three or four guards on the floor. Now, of course, Pons is a bit bigger at six foot six. You could really call him a, a three, maybe a small forward in, in college basketball, but they run smaller. So they're going to be fast, but just because they don't have as much height doesn't mean they're going to give you up anything on the defensive side of the ball. So they're going to be flying around they're also going to be a high energy team. So for Colorado, I think there's two things that they need to focus on as far as how to minimize that. They have got to work the ball inside more in this game than they have in games past. McKinley Wright is a shot creator. He's going to generate open looks for himself and that's fine, but you can't have it where you're working around the perimeter and finding the ball inside because the perimeter is going to be locked down. They've got guards who can catch you. I want to see Devin, or excuse me, I want to see Evan Batty and Dallas Walton on the post running the offense. I want to see them passing the ball out to open shooters on the perimeter. Because the size discrepancy is so big, they're going to have to put two guys on Dallas Walton. They're going to have to be monitoring Evan Batty on the block. That's where you're going to see open looks. And that's where guys like Eli Parquet and Maddox Daniels can make their impact on the game because they can be there for a kick out and a quick shot that's how you're going to get open looks on the perimeter in this game. I have a hard time imagining that Colorado can just play, you know, pull up hero ball on Tennessee because it's just not going to translate the way it would against Kansas state or South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting about this team is that they don't have all that much size in the front court, but they are pretty big. Like you said, in the backcourt, you know, running those guards, but those guards are six foot six. And, and it's kind of this new, very modern positionless type of basketball that Tennessee wants to play. You know, you look at the starting lineup, six, three, six, 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 seven, six, nine, not all that tall on the tall end, pretty tall on the short end. And it's so switchable, so interchangeable. You look at the bench and you see basically the same thing, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". And they really have some versatility. And they do have a seven-footer, but it's a seven-footer who isn't necessarily somebody who you look at and say, this is a big piece of their plans. 
are they willing to take one of these other players off the court just to add in some size, even if it does kind of put you a little bit more into a box? It's not somebody who you can switch out on the onto the perimeter more likely than not at seven foot two sixty two. So many questions. Which pieces are they willing to play? How many pieces are they willing to play? Uh, what does this team look like when when you play positionless basketball? I almost wonder if there's more. You, you need to, to get more reps in like it, it takes some more on court experience because it isn't what most people are used to just lining up with a bunch of guys. I mean, four out of five starters within three inches of height of each other. It's, it's a team that I'm high on because I do see a, a way that they could be very versatile. And, and I really like what this looks like defensively as long as there isn't a seven footer that just makes them pay, uh, which is totally on the table. And I think it's the first thing that the buff should try. Like you were saying, Ben is just like feed Dallas Walton in the post, just have him put his hands up above his head. And that should be a, a pretty good offensive possession. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Yeah. This game comes down to two, two areas for me, fouls and rebounding. Um, because this is going to be defensive. You know Tad Boyle's a defensive guy. You know Tennessee is going to play defensive ball. So, yeah, it's going to come down to who's getting fouled more. You touched on it, um, I believe, after our first game against South Dakota. You said Tad Boyle, their philosophy is they want to shoot more. No, they want to make more free throws than the other team attempts. Can they get in a situation like this against a team like Tennessee? We don't know yet, but that definitely needs to be a priority. I want to talk about you touched on the grad transfer. His name's EJ Anosicki. He's out of Sacred Heart. He averaged a double-double last season. He scored 15 points per game and 11.6 rebounds. Those would have both led the volunteers on that team. Now, granted, going to be a change in competition level, but still, he has proven he can be a focal point of a team. The other guy that Tennessee or yeah, that Tennessee already has is John Fulkerson. He's a forward as well. He was this team's leading scorer and rebounder last year. So those two guys... As forwards, they're going to be the ones that are playing on the low post. How do they match up with Evan Batty and Dallas Walton? Two guys that are prone to get into foul trouble. Does Tennessee bait them, you know, on defense? So that's where I think, although you have the size, you have to play this conservatively on defense. Because if we get in a situation where Colorado has already a couple fouls with Batty and Walton early on, your biggest advantage that you have over this team is immediately gone. And Tennessee knows that. They've seen that on tape. The other thing that you touched on, Tennessee seven-footer. His name's Uros Plasic. Yeah, he's out of Serbia. From what I've seen on tape, kid can ball. He has a, a pretty steady mid-range jump shot, which should scare Colorado because – he didn't play a whole lot last year, only seven, seven minutes per game, averaging almost three points. He's not shooting the ball particularly well at 42% from a guy who's seven foot tall, but I think he can do it. I'm pretty high on him as a player, and that's what I think Tennessee could come out, realize Walton's a problem, and say, screw it, we're putting in our seven-footer. I think this game is absolutely going to be won then on who gets in a foul trouble and also who cleans up the glass. And this is where I think Jabari Walker really could have his coming out game because he's going to have his opportunities on the glass. And if Colorado's in rebounding trouble, you know exactly who Tad Boyle is going to turn to. So if he can clean up the glass, get some offensive putbacks, I mean, he could stamp his mark on this game. Because McKinley Wright, you know he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to put up 20 points a game, have a couple assists, have a couple rebounds. Not worried about him. What you're worried about is can that front court continue the progression development and really assert their dominance? Because Colorado has the size which is interesting over an SEC team, but they have the size to do it. It's just, can they execute? Yeah. Tennessee was one of the worst rebounding teams in the country last year. Um, and obviously that's, that's why you go after one of the 10 best grad transfers in the country to try to patch that hole. Now, do you really expect a six foot seven center to put up big rebounding numbers? We just have to wait and see, but I agree. I mean, this is one of the games where you really want to see the buffs get boards because if, if they can do it in this game, then you start to feel pretty good because it is Tennessee and because they did take steps to shore up the rebounding. Um, at the same time, though, if, if you don't get the boards tonight, 
the doubts become even more real and, and this becomes to to it starts to look like what could potentially be like this team's big flaw you know that could be what winds up holding the buffs back when they do get into the tournament you know that that the rebounding is that biggest issue on this team which i think right now would probably be my my top problem with the buffs um but yeah i mean really don't know what to expect from tennessee because they haven't played any any games yet um but that also means that they should be just a little bit rusty you would expect so do you think that Tennessee not playing to this point is better for the buffs or better for the Tennessee just in terms of their odds of winning this game today. I think it's better for sure. I think you look at Colorado and what they did against South Dakota and Kansas state, two games that they dominated two things that they still had a lot to clean up. And Mm -hmm. the Buffaloes had the benefit of being against two teams where you had that talent advantage where the game was never really in question. I mean, even when they were down 18 to Kansas or 13 to Kansas state in that first half, you still felt good about it because you knew what that team was, you know, with Tennessee, I'm not sure that they're going to be afforded those kind of luxuries. If they get down 18, can they rebound? Have they shown that they can not, you know, not literally rebound on the glass, but you know, bounce back from that adversity. They haven't shown they can yet with this new squad because they haven't shown anything. You know, I think when you talk about the rust factor, it's also important to note Tennessee turned the ball over a lot last year. They were averaging almost 14 turnovers per game last season. And for reference, Colorado was averaging just over 13. And what was our biggest gripe with Colorado last year? Turnovers are costing them games. They cost them the game against Northern Iowa. They really put them in bad positions. This season, Colorado is averaging just under 10, so they've been able to clean that up a bit. That's another area where Tennessee's rust could come into play because even if they're shooting the ball not particularly well, they've still got the defense. They're still a defensively sound team to create or to create bad shots on the other end of the floor. But if they're turning the ball over, you know, getting, you know, McKinley Wright, I think is the best fast break point guard in the entire country. His quickness and his ability to get to the basket and make contested layups is rivaled by I, I couldn't name a single person. So that's another area as far as offensively goes, where if they're rusty and turn the ball over a lot, Colorado has to take advantage. And conversely, they need to play their cleanest game to date. This is not a game where you can go in there with 15, 20 turnovers because you are not going to be afforded that many chances. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. Um, before we get into the the last of my questions for you about this game, um, let's take a quick break and talk about the awesome things that are happening uh, in the DNVR clubhouses of the uh, World or WGT Golf app. So, um, WGT Golf is not only the most popular golf game in the world; it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. Uh, it has become so popular that we've opened a fourth DNVR country club, uh, and each of those country clubs holds 250 people. So if you don't want to feel left out anymore, you can download WGT and join the DNVR four country club by going to dnvrgolf.com. We will host weekly tournaments with awesome giveaways. So make sure that you're signed up to win easy money and beautiful DNVR swag. Um, it, it is the most realistic free golf game in the world played by more than 20 million people. Um, there, there are so many different ways that you can play from close to the hole to match play to stroke play, whatever you want. Um, and you can play on real courses like Beth page black. Uh, you can play at pebble beach, St. Andrews, so many options. You get to use real equipment. It, it is a very realistic and very fun game. Um, and it works perfect, uh, on iPhones or iPads or the Android equivalents that I don't even know what they're called. Um, the, you can play it on your desktop computer in your browser, uh, so many options. And right now is the time to play because starting this Friday, the 11th through Sunday, the 13th, we will be hosting the, the ball is popping classic at Bandon Dunes. Uh, it must be an honor of the nuggets coming back. Uh, alt country clubs can participate and better yet. Anyone can win. All you have to do is join that DMVR DMVR 4 Country Club if you haven't played yet. Head to Bandon Dunes Golf Course and enter into the closest to the whole challenge. Submit your screenshot uh, of your score on our pinned Twitter thread. Um, 
uh, at dnvr underscore sports or email them to info at thednvr.com. And once you've entered, we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a DMVR shirt of their choice and a mask and we'll ship it to you. So um, we're going to be hosting an, a, a tournament on a new course every weekend leading up to Christmas. Uh, winners are picked every Monday. You've got nothing to lose. So download WGT today. If you haven't joined that DMVR four country club, head to band of dudes for the balls popping classic and hit some balls to get close to the pin Enter your screenshot. Bam. You're in good luck. Okay. Um, rapid fire. Which player on Tennessee's roster are you most ex- or, or most scared to see um, this Tuesday? Definitely Yves Pons, the reigning SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Still is going to get you 10 points and five rebounds a game. And he shot the ball pretty well, almost 50% from the field, 35% from three. He's a guy that he can be a difference maker. He's going to clamp you on defense, and he's going to be able to transition to the shots on the other end. All right. Um, which player on the buff side are you, who needs to play the best for the buffs to win? I'm going to, I'm going to say Evan Batty because I think Dallas Walton is going to get his looks, but I also believe it or not, I think he's going to be more prone to fouls than Evan Batty will. Um, and also Evan Batty, I think is, is the superior rebounder. He does have the height disadvantage, but he is aggressive. He's, he's tenacious on the glass. He has got to come in and put up a double, double, uh, you know, maybe a double-double is a little bit too high of an expectation, but he's got to go in there and make his mark on the game and also make sure he's in there. Make sure he's not in and out because of fouls because if he's just even on the floor, you're feeling comfortable about Colorado's chances. All right. Um, which player on Tennessee's roster are you most excited to see play? I'm going to go with their grad transfer, EJ Anosecki, just because he's shown that he can do it at a, at a smaller school and do it very, very well. So how does that translate to Tennessee? You know, is this a guy that's actually going to make noise, not just for Tennessee, but in the SEC and in the entire, you know, in the entire nation? How his play translates is really important to how Tennessee's season outlook progresses. Um, most important, uh, which team wins the number of three uh, free throw attempts, the three-point percentage, the offensive rebounds, or the turnovers? Yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, say Colorado wins the free throws because I think Tennessee is going to be rowdy. And, you know, obviously that's dependent on what the whistle looks like, but I'm going to say they win the free throws. Um, offensive boards, I'm going to give the, the nod to Colorado as well. I think they've got the athleticism and the height to do it. Uh, what were the other two? <laughs> uh, turnovers. Turnovers, I'm going to give that nod to okay, – I'm going to say Colorado as well, and this is not me being a homer. This is me saying – that yes, because this is me saying – this team is polished and also turn or turnovers were a big problem, a bigger problem at Tennessee last year than they were at Colorado. I think they're going to make some mistakes. With that being said, I think Tennessee's turnovers are really going to come in the beginning of the game. I think that's when you're going to see problems is within that first 15, 20 minutes because they're ironing out all that. That's why it's so important. Colorado needs to go into halftime with a seven to 10 point lead, at least on this team, if they want to come out because you have to assert your dominance on a team like Tennessee because in that second half, they're going to have their adjustments. They've got a good coaching staff. They're, they really could make a, make a big push in that second half. All right. Um, what is McKinley Wright's stat line? 22-5-5 and five with uh, 48 from the field, and I'm going to say 33 from three. Solid. So he's going yeah, to hit one for three from three-point land. Just about 50% from the field, and yep, 25 and 5. Do you have a, a bold prediction for the game for us? Colorado by 5. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling good about it, and I think the big thing is the big wild card for me. I know I've talked a lot about the rebounding. I've talked a lot about what you do in the low post. I think the X factor is going to be Deshaun Schwartz. He has been practicing. They said that um, – I read this morning uh, from Justin Guerrero that Deshaun Schwartz practiced on Saturday. They were pleasantly surprised with where he was at. Um, in that process. So there are good expectations. He's going to get a healthy amount of minutes. They might ease him back into it, but against Tennessee, again, you could expect some fouls, a defensive game, having a guy who is a slasher like Deshaun Schwartz could really be the one that, that flips this game. All right. Um, I think that's it. Uh, if uh, you guys want to watch this game, which you should, because the Colorado Buffaloes are undefeated. And again, 
CU, one of three programs in the country, undefeated in both football and men's basketball. Buffs are going to try to keep that going, and they think that they have a real shot at the Pac-12 title. I think they've looked as good as anybody in the conference. Uh, so tune in tomorrow at 4, SEC Network Plus. Uh, you can get that on the ESPN app. You do have to have access to uh, the SEC Network normally to do that. I know I do. I'm not sure if that's, like, a weird thing about me, though. So uh, afterward, though, this is where I was trying to get with all that. Ben and I will be talking uh, with Ryan Konigsberg after the game, breaking it all down uh, from the DMVR studios, unless something crazy happens and crazy things sometimes happen. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. So tune in for that as well. And who knows, maybe toward the end, we'll get into some football talk as well. Um, d- depends on how hyped we are and how much we have to say about the Colorado game. Buffs taking on a ranked opponent tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited. Ben, thank you for joining us, and I will see you tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holland get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway.